Hi, I'm Tom May and this is the England Rugby Podcast with O2 Inside Line. As a former England player myself, it's a real pleasure to bring you the podcast this week and we've got a top class lineup for you. In this episode, we get to know a man who's more familiar doing his talking on the pitch, fronting up for England in one of the toughest positions there is. I'm a sore loser, but also a sore winner as well. George Cruz will probably testify to this. We've been playing a lot of chess together and uh, every time I lose, it's not great. And then when I win, he doesn't hear the end of it. It is, of course, England prop Mako Vunapola. I've never really said it, but it doesn't feel the same if he's not playing or I'm out there on my own. It's what we've grown up knowing, so... Uh, we can kind of push each other or if he needs help then at least I'm there alongside him then not sat on the stands. As well as chatting to Mako, O2 Inside Lines Paul Bunker puts Ben Youngs through his paces in a round of quickfire questions. If you could only hear one song again for the rest of your days, what would it be and why? Take that, relight my fire. Really? Yeah, just came to me. <laughs> <laughs> Two players with nearly 150 caps between them, it's sure to be good. And remember to stay with us to the end to find out how you could bag yourself some signed England merchandise. But right now, let's get stuck into it. Here's what happened when Paul sat down with Mako Vunapola. So Mako, first of all, thank you very much for joining us on the England Rugby Podcast with O2 Inside Line. Have you ever done a podcast before? No, this will be my first. Uh, How are you feeling? Oh, I'm all right, yeah. <laughs> you look like a guy who probably doesn't get shaken at most things, really. But um, we'll start right at the very beginning then, Mako. Can you tell us about where you were born and the transition there, moving from uh, from New Zealand and moving to Tonga? I was, yeah, so I was born in New Zealand. Uh, my parents were over there at the university and then lived out there, I think, first two or three years. They mm. finished school and we went back then to Tonga. And then eventually... My dad played in the 99 World Cup and that's where he got uh, spotted and had the opportunity to come over to the UK. So obviously as a family then we came came out and uh, it's to Wales the first place we went. What was it like growing up in Tonga? Most people listening to this will have no idea what Tonga is like. Maybe you can give us a bit of insight. Um, they, I don't really remember that much but what I do remember it was very easy times. Um, I was in school and me and my brother and... It was just kind of go to school. My grandparents would pick us up. My parents would be working. Uh, we'd go back to their house, play there for ages. They'd spoil us a lot, to be fair. And then uh, when my parents came to pick us up then, um, just went back home. We actually lived five minutes away from each other, but my, my uh, grandparents' house was more in town, so we enjoyed being there a lot more. But no, it was very easy. Um, always outdoors, always playing. I imagine, I don't want to be disrespectful, but it's quite a rural sort of living, is it? It's not like the high-rises we've seen in no, Tokyo yeah. and things. But. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, There wasn't much uh, technology or anything like that. So luckily my brother and I were very close in age, so we could play uh, together. Uh, but then everyone kind of knew everyone, so we'd always go to the rugby field, play touch or something, or just find some way to uh, pass the time. Was that where you first fell in love with rugby? Was it in Tonga? Do you remember as a, as a young, how old would you have been? Probably would have been about five or six. And yeah, that... Always going to the rugby field. I was too young to play with the older boys, so I'd be watching and just thinking, oh, I'd love to be in there with them and uh, having fun. But yeah, that was probably because rugby is obviously the biggest sport in Tonga and uh, every village have their own rugby field. So after school, most people wouldn't even go home. They go straight there and just play, uh, like I said, find a bottle or something and play touch. What was life like for you and Billy growing up when your dad's an international? I mean, you know, on the Tongan level, I imagine he's pretty big news out there. Was he in 95 and 99 World Cup? Was I it? think he was in both, yeah. yeah, yeah. Both, but. but were you aware at that young age that your dad was, you know, an international rugby player? Probably more my grandfather than I was with my dad. 
grandfather was coach of the local team, but also he'd been involved in the Tongan uh, rugby union in terms of he's coached and played and uh, he was involved with the board as well. So it was more him than it was my dad I was aware of. Uh, obviously, I knew my dad played, but back in Tonga, my dad, uh, granddad was kind of, I want to say, well-respected in terms of rugby. I want to talk about respect as well because in Tongan and Samoan families as well, the age of people is very that the respect is given there. For example, I'm seeing you and Billy together as well. I know he's very respectful of you because clearly he loves you and his brother, but also the age thing as well. Maybe you can explain how that is because with, the, with anyone who's older, isn't it? Basically, you have to look up to them, show them hopefully a bit more respect. Yeah, it's quite a big emphasis on respecting your elders, uh, especially growing up and um, they show in school. So obviously the elders uh, kind of set the tone, set the rules and stuff, and then it's the younger boys then have to follow. And um, there's not much leniency, uh, so you can't really give them much uh, back chat or anything like that. But it's more just kind of showing um, that respect, but not just to your elders, but also uh, to others uh, like women as well. So women are uh, treated with more respect as well back home. So your dad and his two brothers played in the World Cup. I think they were the first trio of brothers, weren't they, to play in the World Cup together in 1995? Is that right? Um, they were all three of them were playing, but I didn't. I didn't know that they were the first trio. So probably. So so rugby was obviously a massive part of your life. What 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 were you like at school as a youngest growing up? Was it, were you kind of like rugby's going to be for me? And it sounds like your genetic blueprint was very much leading that way from the, from day one, really. But were you, did you ever have ambitions at school of maybe going a slightly different way were you academic in any way um in terms of ac- uh, academics i was all right um it was a case of if i probably worked harder it would have been better but um i'd always known that i was uh, had some talent in rugby and uh it wasn't that a case of i'm gonna make a living out of this because back then it was rugby was nowhere near as much money as it is now but i always knew i'd i'd want to play rugby and um when you're that age and in school you kind of school was quite boring so um now my parents always pushed us to do uh focus on our schoolwork but it was tough when all i was thinking about was mm. trying to play rugby i know your dad in particular has played a huge part in your life hasn't he with, with rugby i mean being a international star then a coach as well and i know he's coached over here as well in the uk can you tell us what what it was like growing up with him as your dad was he disciplined did he keep you and billy on a on a tight rope in terms of training yeah he was very tough i uh, to be fair, like we always say it, but um, I can't emphasise enough how much he's kind of given to us. So there were a lot of late nights when he'd finish his training or work and he'd come back and train us. So uh, I've had to do a bit of that with my younger cousins and it's not enjoyable standing out there in the cold and we'll always be thankful for that. And for us, it was it was a case of he made it uh, that hard and that tough that he wanted us to have second thoughts about playing rugby because he knew how hard it was to be in the professional game. Uh, but no, he was always very fair, no matter how disciplined, uh, how tough he was disciplining us. He was always very fair. There's some great stories at Thornbury Rugby Club, isn't there? Some legendary stories. Maybe you can give us a couple of those about him taking you to training, you and Billy, maybe when you didn't want to, the pair of you weren't particularly, I don't know if you are now big on running, were you? So, <laughs> No, I've never been or never will be big on, on running. But no, when we used to play, not just in Thornbury, but um, younger days as well, we'd go, if it's a game or training, he'd make us, if... He saw a game that we weren't uh, good enough and he'd probably make us uh, run back. So there's a few times where I can remember being told on the way home after playing just a game that uh, we have to run the rest of the way home. 
wasn't enjoyable for us at the time. But I could see uh, his reasons for it. Uh, and there's all the time where we'd have to go to training by ourselves, make our own way. But uh, that was kind of more ourselves just trying to get out of training with him. <laughs> and can I ask, what was it like for you when you when you arrived here in the UK? Do you remember being, how old were you when you touched on that? Eight? Oh, eight, yeah. Eight years old. Do you remember your first thoughts when you were, it was Pontypool, wasn't it, well, it was when you arrived, but do you remember you've come from New Zealand, then Tonga, where life's quite liberal and free, and the sun's shining, palm trees, and then you've arrived in Wales. It's dark, it's raining, it's cold, people are speaking a slightly different language. Do you remember your first thoughts? Yeah, so at first I thought, why is it so cold? Uh, and like you said, it was very dark. Um, but more than anything, we felt quite isolated. More my parents than us. We were too young to understand, really. And we had school and stuff, so luckily we could go and enjoy other people's company there. But for our parents, especially my mum, she found it quite hard. Um, there wasn't many people she knew over here. And my dad would go to trading and she'd be on her own quite a bit. So it was tough for her at first. But in terms of the language, um, luckily we were in English-speaking schools back in Tonga. So we kind of understood a bit of, well, a lot more than it was expected. But the accent was tough to kind of get hold of at first. And how were you treated? You Because you and Billy are two massive, larger-than-life characters. Well, I mean, I think everyone's seen the photos of Billy when he was <laughs> when he was a kid, 140 kilos, or when he was 15, I think, or something like that. But were, were they everyone embracing you? And probably when they saw your rugby skills, they, they kind of get you in the team and that? Uh, so in terms of rugby, they kind of, yeah, it was... Oh, they're, they're all right. And, but it was more just, they couldn't believe how old we were. And especially my brother, they couldn't believe that he was, what, at the time six and he was already bigger than me. So they were just kind of in awe of the size and, but they were very welcoming as well. Yeah. And to Lupe as well, growing up with your cousin. And what was that like as well? And can you tell us about your relationship with him? Do you speak to him much? Yeah, I speak to him quite a bit. So growing up, they were half an hour away from us, uh, so we'd see each other quite frequently uh, every weekend, pretty much. And and then eventually, when both his dad and my dad went to Nine Nine World Cup, we kind of lived together for a bit there and went to school for a bit. So we kind of grew up together, coming over here. So it was nice. Um, it was cool because we'd always play like two on two rugby. Uh, it was always me and Toby against my brother and his brother Josh, uh, which at the time felt like we were playing at Twickenham, just loving life really. So and now. Even though we're distant relatives, I still say I'm pretty much closer to him than I would be a normal cousin. And what's it like playing against him when, when you've had to, because of course, you know, both maybe at Twickenham or at the Principality, when you've got to run out, you've got a job to do, he's got a job to do. We kind of, as you said, we have a job to do for our teams and he wants to do his best and uh, I'll be the same as well. Uh, so it's one of those things we kind of understood that would happen if we wanted to play for our countries and it's tough for our families more than it is for us, but after the game, it's kind of back to bit back to normal and go and see him afterwards, or we probably catch up before the game, go for a coffee or something, some food. Hi, I'm Willie Hines, England scrum half, and you're listening to the England Rugby Podcast with O2 Inside Line. If you're enjoying this episode, don't forget to show the podcast some love by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We'll head back to Mako in just a sec, but first, here's how last week's guest, England scrum half Ben Youngs, coped with Paul's quick-fire questions. Ten quick-fire questions for you, Ben. Nice, short, quick, powerful answers. Here we go, number one. If you could only hear one song again for the rest of your days, what would it be and why? Take that, relight my fire. Really? Yeah, just came to me. (laughs) 
<laughs> What's your favourite movie ever? Lord of the Rings trilogy. What are you scared of? I hate snakes. Really? I freak out, yeah. Yeah. What's the silliest thing you've ever bought? Oh my goodness, there's been a few. Anything involving going shopping with Tom Croft, I often buy something silly, but like we brought a Scare Electric once when we were like, I was like 21. Right. We used it once. Okay. <laughs> um, if you could swap bodies with any other England player for one day, who would it be and why? Tell you who it wouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have Manu's legs. I'd have Manu's legs. Yeah. yeah. The quads. There we go. Uh, tell us something we don't know about Ben Young's. Middle name's Ryder. You may not what? know. Oh, that's nice. Where's that come from? Great, great grandfather or something. Cool. When have you been the most starstruck? Probably meeting when Daniel Craig comes to the change room, you know. Really? Yeah. yeah. Who or what cheers you up? My kids. Yeah. Uh, but in the team, I was just thinking, I was trying to think of people, and I thought, goodness, we have got some miserable lads as well. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie George and Elliot, they're good, yeah. good fun to be around. Describe your dancing style in three words. Awful, no rhythm. Brilliant. Uh, and what's the best advice you've ever been given? Anything worth doing is worth overdoing. Brilliant. I like that. Well done. Cheers, guys. If you haven't already, be sure to check out the full-length episode featuring Ben after you've heard the second part of Paul's chat with Mako. We're going to wind forward really quickly. Bristol, then picked up by Saracens. Then you got your first call-up for England after only 15 games for Saracens, I think. Yeah, so I debuted against Fiji and it was the start of my second year at Saracens. So, no, I had not played that much, to be fair. Uh, Not much premiership. And now when I got the call-up... my family were over the moon, more than anything, myself included. Uh, it was kind of eye-opener and just wanted to get out there and see what happened. What was it like? Do you remember, do you remember your memories of stood there singing the national anthem, maybe walking down the tunnel, and were you excited? Were you anxious? How, how, do, you, how do you feel? Uh, I was on the bench. I was kind of didn't want to get too emotional, but when I was singing the anthem, it was more kind of the journey, kind of think back of the journey. And unfortunately, my grandfather was the one with the vision for us to come out here and... Uh, and play play for England, try and get the opportunity to play for England. But he passed away before I'd managed to play any gauge group. So it was tough. And probably that was probably the only, the only time I ever came close to crying was singing the anthem and thinking about his, his dream. And no, but for me, it was just thinking about the journey that I kind of, our family's been through and to finally have the opportunity to, to play for England was a dream come true. Yeah, lots of commitment and lots of, I suppose, um, you know, people like your dad and the commitment he made to come over here and that as well. A lot of people gave up a lot of things, didn't they, to make the dream come true. And I'm sure your granddad would have been very proud to see you and then Billy out there as well. I'm sure that he's looking down from above on you, you know, with a great big wry smile on his face as well. And then just really quickly on Saracens, to be part of that, an amazing club, amazing success and, and playing alongside your brother as well. Very good times at that club. Yeah, we've been very lucky. But um, people forget kind of that, we had some ups and downs as well. 2014, I remember losing both finals. And 2013, even, we lost both semi-finals. But now, it's been good. Good times in terms of, uh, as it's, as a squad, we've enjoyed success. And it's nice to do it alongside, not just my brother, but good mates I've kind of grown up with, which makes it even more special. So, we, we understand that we're in a privileged position, but... We also understand that the people that the year after no one really cares so uh, start again. So I've been very fortunate to uh, be given the opportunity to play for a club like Saracens um, after Bristol. I didn't actually know uh, for, for sure that this is how it was going to pan out, but made the right decision. 
got 55 caps. Oh, yeah. So, well, which yeah. is, um, th- does that surprise you when you sit back and think 55 caps? The look on your eyes there was a little bit like, what, me? But, um, um, I never had a set number, I guess. Uh, I want to play every time. So, every time I have the opportunity uh, to compete for a jersey, I want to play. But if I'm being honest, maybe if I get to 100, that'd be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> the body holds out, right? If the body, <laughs> body holds out, yeah. <laughs> and out of those 55 caps, is there a particular moment that you look back so far? I know it's hard to say a favourite moment, but when you look back and actually think that was really very, very special and something you'll, you'll hold dear, maybe. Yeah, it's actually ironic that the one that I'm thinking about is the 2016 Australia Tour. Mm. It was more, that was probably the first kind of time that I, so I started before for England, but it, it wouldn't have been against like tier one or the stronger teams. And that was the first kind of chance I had and the first kind of step where I then thought, oh, I, I'm actually, I can hold my own here at this level and especially to go down under and uh, to win 3-0 against a strong Australian side who just come off the back of a World Cup final. As a squad and uh, as an individual, is probably my favourite tour so far. Not just for on the pitch, but off the pitch. It was Australia is a great country to tour and we enjoyed ourselves. There are people who would say that you're currently the best loose head in the world or if you're not the best, you're one of two or three or right up there. How, how is your game change Maka would you say over the last sort of 18 months or two years because you've gone from being a, an extremely versatile strong loose head to a guy now that you know you're actually an impact player for England a, a ball carrier for England you know putting in 20-25 tackles in an international match uh, have you changed the way you do things have you stepped your game up as coach kind of given you a bit of direction I think first and foremost set piece wise I've become a lot more confident in what I can do with that not just in that, but in terms of overall confidence and my ability. I guess experience is massive and also just being more aware of what's around me. Uh, so I'm very lucky, as you said, mentioned that I play at Saris and there's a few players there that play here, so I kind of understand how they play. And also I want to say that I enjoy watching rugby and um, studying it. So as I've got older, I've kind of understood more and more of it. So um I then can kind of not just uh, figure things out, but can help other people out. So it's then allowed me to keep expanding my knowledge of rugby, I think, and not just hold myself to being just a prop and doing the traditional, which is you still have to do it, uh, the set piece. And people will always judge you on that first and foremost. And I understand that. But then putting yourself up in a position where you can tackle or make an impact for your team. Do you enjoy rugby more now, playing rugby like this? Because... I mean, you know, 2016, I think you, from memory in Australia, did a great job at loose head, but probably more of a traditional sort of loose head position there. Although I seem to remember there was a nice round the back pass, was there a nice kind of little offload there? Someone popped him for a try, I seem to remember from Australia. But now I would say, from what we see, you're kind of more involved in the game actively. Would you be fair to say you're probably a bit fitter as well? Would you yeah, say that? yeah, there's a combination. One, I'm probably a bit fitter now than I was then. And. With experience, you kind of understand where you need to be a bit earlier and you can be there. And one, you save a lot of time and energy and two, you can see things happening a bit quicker. So uh, that's definitely helped. doesn't mean to say that I don't mis- make mistakes. I still, there's still those uh, mistakes that you learn from, which is, I think the biggest thing for me was when I was younger, I'd make a mistake and hold on to it for a long time. Whereas now I understand that it's going to happen and when it does happen to move on very quickly. And that's something that's not come easy, but... Um, Hopefully I'm getting better. 
final question then is um I just want to ask you about the pride that you got I'm, I'm assuming we wouldn't have to ask about your the pride your family in Tonga and your family in the UK have got about seeing you run out but what's it like for you finally you know when you play alongside Billy I know that as brothers go you're relatively close but when you see your younger brother there as well playing like he plays and when you stood you know doing the anthems and that close to each other can you tell us about that sense of pride you have whether it's at Twickenham or maybe you know here in Japan I think for me it just doesn't feel the same if uh I've never really said it, but it doesn't feel the same if he's not playing or um, I'm out there on my own. But I still got obviously other teammates. But um, if he's not playing due to injury, then you obviously feel for him. And uh, if he is playing, then I know what he can add to our team. But also, just kind of like you said, it's what we've grown up knowing. So uh, we can kind of push each other. Or if he needs help, then at least I'm there alongside him. Then not sat on the stands watching him. So. No, it's, I kind of take it for granted as well. Not just for playing for England, but also for Saris. Um, we've been doing it quite a while now. So, no, even though my face doesn't show, I do enjoy it. And if he's not playing, then it doesn't hamper me, but I do think about it. This is Jamie George, and you're listening to the England Rugby Podcast with O2 Inside Line. Talk about life away from rugby then. So um, what does Mako Vunapola like to do when he's not got... I mean, you seem, you've had a rugby ball in your hands since the day you were born, literally. How do you unwind? How do you mentally chill out? What, what are you doing when you're away from rugby, Mako? I love to just pretty much relax at home. I love being in my own space. So And sports is... Any sport, really, that's on TV, I try and watch. So um, rugby league, football, like I said, American football, basketball. So... My girlfriend hates it actually that she thinks that when I finish rugby training that we can watch some other stuff by actually just put on sports or um, that and just spending time with family and friends whether that's going out food or doing something with a little one where he's busy and active so it's tough especially when uh, you finish training or the last thing you want to do is go out to the park and run after him so mm. but no it's, uh, it kind of puts things into our perspective how, how old is Jacob now he is one so, oh, he's, one. Yeah, so he's, so, he's running around and so, yeah. uh, how would you say being a father's changed you do you think other things you look back at yourself and the way do you see the world a little bit differently now the way that you carry yourself uh, I definitely think that it's changed the way of not carrying myself but the way I look at things in terms of um, what's important and what's not and not overthinking too much and he definitely balances out everything as well so um, whether it's a bad injury or a bad loss or a tough loss to take um, when you go home he hasn't got a clue what's going on he's, he's the exact same whether you won or not so mm. no, he kind of balances out a lot of things for me and uh, you realise what's important and so things like box sets or movies you into anything like that anything on the TV you're watching yeah uh, I love watching series on Netflix Going that a lot. What are you on to yeah. at the moment? Anything in particular? So they've actually got uh, billions out here, which uh, you have it on Sky back home anyway. But uh, I've been watching billions here, and it's uh, yeah, it's getting heated. Very good series. <laughs> um, is it? It was it pretty dark stuff. Is it? Is it? Dark? No, it's actually not dark. It can be dark in times, but mm. in terms of. Uh, there's some other series where I watch where it gets a bit gruesome in terms uh, Power is another one on Netflix yeah. I watched before which gets a bit like not gory but everyone's just pretty much killing everyone so I don't know whether I'm allowed to say that so <laughs> but um, no um, Billions is more lawyer trying to sue or trying to get someone for yeah. inside information and stuff like that 
you're a very measured guy, Mac. You're famous, aren't you, in the club, and you're famous at England as well for being a very measured, sort of tempered sort of guy. But apart from you on the rugby pitch, and then we see, is there anything else in life, whether it's music, TVs, videos, films, something that would get you jumping up and down, laughing, kind of going crazy, and kind of ripping your shirt up and running around in circles? Is there anything in life that does it to you? Um, uh, in terms of being measured, I think I guess I'm. Around the boys, I'm measured, but I can be a little bit volatile as well. <laughs> Some of the boys might say, but um, something that gets me up and off my seat: gaming. Love gaming, so that's something I've had to kind of cut down on since I'm a kid. I'm a sore loser, but also a sore winner as well. George Cruz will probably testify to this. We've been playing a lot of chess together, and uh, every time I lose, it's not great. And then when I win, he doesn't hear the end of it. So that's probably something I enjoy. <laughs> Um, chess I could see you kind of got that very calm <laughs> calculating you'd be thinking he hasn't seen that and then I'd imagine you've got a nice move just oh. coming up and taking who, who who else in camp is into the chess is there anyone else here uh, yeah there's quite a few of oh, us really? now yeah so uh, Manu was actually the first person playing it and then, uh, he plays Johnny Mays very good like grandmaster compared to the rest of us yeah. Jack Noel JJ plays a bit uh, Cruzo as I said so it was something just to pass the time in terms of like going bus mm. bus journeys and in hotels. Good for the brain, I'd imagine, as well. Get away from the rugby and the strategy and set a piece and moves. You actually get a chessboard out. You've got to commit into it. Everyone, you put yeah. your brain in there, I suppose. Yeah, it's good if you win. If you yeah. lose, then you're spending a lot of waves, brain waves, thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> And that's it, ladies and gents, the inside line on Mako Vinopola. Big thanks to Mako for coming on the pod and, of course, to Ben Youngs for joining us as well. As I mentioned, you can go back and listen to our episode with Ben along with a whole host of your other favourite players such as Ellis Genge, George Ford and even coach John Mitchell. Just search the England Rugby Podcast with O2 Inside Line wherever you get your pods from. If you fancy being in with a chance of winning an England signed shirt by all the players as well, be sure to leave a review and your name on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. We'll be picking one lucky reviewer at the end of the series. And that should keep you busy until England take to the field as finalists in Japan. We absolutely cannot wait, so be sure to show your support for the lads as we build up to the big game. But for now, from me and the team, a big thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time.